Hey, Tim, how's it going? Hey, it's going pretty good, man. Pretty good. Vote Moen. What's your shirt say? Oh, yeah. I only answer to you. I only You only answer to me. Yeah, That's good. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I kind of think it's dumb now, but <laughs> this is the shirt I put on this morning. I, you know what? I, I grabbed a white T-shirt because I was going to put a sweater on. I like to wear a white T-shirt. This was yeah. like my original campaign T-shirt back in 2014. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, ultimately, I, uh, I, I, I guess it didn't work that well then. No, it didn't work well. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I only answer to you. Like what you like, who's you? Yeah. Uh, obviously I can't answer to everyone. Every one of my constituents wants something different. Right. right? I only answer to everyone. Yeah. Democracy is kind of a sham. So, <laughs> uh, you know, really if I, if I were trying to win votes, I would answer to the collective. Yeah. But ultimately I only answer to myself. Um, that's the right my way. family <laughs> vote Mullen. I don't give a damn yeah. what you think no exactly exactly that's yeah. probably why I don't get a lot of votes but yeah um, so today I wanted to talk it's been on my mind for a while this idea that I'm calling either micro fraud or micro theft um, mm. so the particular example that comes to mind is torrenting right downloading things illegally um, but I think we'll have potentially different views because we have different views on intellectual property. But I want to yeah. take for granted, let's say, that it is someone else's property. Because um, I also think of things like parking without paying and knowing that there's an implicit contract or by going to this parking lot, I should be paying. I'm using yep. someone's property, but I'm not going to pay and I'm going to hope to get away with it. And I mean, there are other examples as well, but I, I want to... It seems like it's almost taken for granted. I took it for granted and so did many young people. And so I've, I did a video once actually how I just took it to its logical extreme and I started doing micro theft in real life, right? So like I would steal little things from Walmart that wasn't an actual purchase product. It was like a piece of a product that I needed. And I was like, well, it's the <laughs> same. It's the same principle there, right? This is yeah. a big monolithic thing that doesn't care if I steal the dollar or not. Um, but it, I mean, clearly it's wrong, but I'm interested in your thoughts generally. And I mean, I have thoughts about how it's become very commonplace. I don't know if it was in your youth as well, or I'm just interested in your thoughts on this topic. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, you know, theft, theft is theft. Um, whether it's micro or macro, you know, I, it's a matter of scale and it's, you know, the, the only difference between a, uh, what you're calling a micro theft and a macro theft is um, the amount of damage it does to the property owner that you're stealing from mm -hmm. and what kind of restitution you then would owe that person in a libertarian, uh, a just libertarian society, right? And so obviously if you're, if you're stealing something little from Walmart, like let's say you, all you did was went around stealing price tags off of things like little right. stickers. OK, um, well, you, you would owe the cost of the stickers plus maybe uh, some damages in terms of labor because someone would have to go back out there and re-sticker those things. Maybe some damages in terms of people didn't they could show that people didn't buy that product now because there was no price on it. So they just mm. glossed over it and said, well, I'm not going to, you know, whereas if the price was there, they might have just bought it. So there, there's definitely some damage that you do even by just a little thing like that. And you know, the, you would owe them some restitution. Um, so I definitely, 
I definitely agree with that, and I've been trying to figure out how I can pay restitution to Walmart, for example. Like, do I mail right. Walmart a check for twenty dollars <laughs> or whatever? Right. But it's interesting to me that it seems like, you know, I know now I have principles I've actually thought about. I know it's wrong, but growing up, I thought it was fine, right? Especially yeah. when I'm thinking about downloading things illegally, like I, that is the most prevalent. And I'm wondering if it's part of the. To me, it's like part of it is the internet age that people just expect everything for free. But part of it is also the the socialist age. People expect everything for free. So as this young person, everyone in my circle just expected that when I want something, I should get it and I shouldn't have to pay yeah. for it. Um, do you think it's tending like, is it more prevalent now than it used to be? Like, cause it was just taken for granted. None of my friends really thought about what we were doing. We just thought, yeah, this makes sense. I want something and it, do it doesn't cost anyone I can tangibly grasp anything. So it doesn't, it's not harming anyone. Yeah, I mean, th th I think there certainly is more of that sense of entitlement these days, right? You know, you see it, uh, where I really see it is on people in social media that get banned or something like that, or see someone get banned and say, you know, there ought to be a law against that, right? Well, what, what they're saying is that, a you know, in, in a sense, you're harming um, the owners of that social media site by getting the government involved or by by using force to say you have to uh, allow me on your platform they that costs them a certain amount of money in terms of storage space and server and bandwidth it costs them in terms of the kind of product they want to put out to their customers and building a, a particularly um, certain type of moderated culture or something on their site that is friendly and attractive to people um, so so those types of of kind of micro aggressions i get or or have microaggression geez i just slipped yeah. into a social justice <laughs> word there but that's an actual aggression right it's just right. Uh, a lower form of it to say like say get a court order to say that tim moen shall be allowed on facebook till the end of time okay am i really hurting facebook's bottom line all that much by doing that no um i'm not but if if the government came in and said, well, you shall allow everyone till the end of time, no matter what they say, uh, then that would harm Facebook's yeah. thing probably, right? And that so means, yeah. Yeah, Go the ahead. idea was always like, well, I know if everyone stole something from Walmart, it wouldn't go well. If everyone torrented and no one bought the music, it wouldn't go well. But that's not going to happen. Obviously, it's okay for me to do it, but not everyone's going to do it. Yeah, and and you know you could probably um, justify. I, I could see how easy it would be for someone to justify in their mind that uh, they're not hurting anyone by doing it. At least not to, not enough that they would even notice that they're being hurt or something like that, right? And um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I see how people could justify that, but yeah, it, it, you know, again, it comes down to principles. And mm. would you want that rule in society? Right? Would you want everyone following that rule? Right? And that's how you know it's it's a moral rule is if everyone can follow it and everyone and it doesn't harm an individual's flourishing by implementing it, right? So it has to be universal. Well, that rule would harm everyone. If everyone did that, if everyone stole just a little bit from Walmart or any a little bit, then the customers um, end up paying for that because you know Walmart is going to maintain its profit margins and it's just going to jack up prices on things. Um, so right. 
and and uh, to be honest, their prices are probably uh, higher than they would be because there's a lot of that stuff that goes on, right? You know, a mm. lot of people shop lift little things. Um, or, you know, you go to the grocery store in the bulk section and you take a little gummy bear out of the thing and pop right. it in your mouth, right? Okay, well, you know, enough people do that. It's, <laughs> it's going to add up and the price is going to be passed on to the consumer. And so what do you think about stuff like parking without paying in a green pea parking lot or, or whatever they're like in public paid parking or private paid parking. And like, I also think there's this sentiment where, Oh, if somehow you ended up getting something for free by accident, like I ordered something online and they didn't charge me. And then I'm just so happy. I don't feel at all guilty. I don't feel like I should pay for the thing I got. If there's a glitch in their system. Oh, perfect. Like, yay for me. Cause they're like, right. these seem like not quite the same exact principle, but more of an aspect of just dishonesty, I guess that people mm. would rather, uh, save a couple bucks, then be honest in their contracts and their engagements. So it's not like actively theft necessarily, but yeah. it's just, where does that come from? Or is it the same principle? Well, I don't, I don't think that's, um, the same principle necessarily, right? Because uh, that that would be a problem with the an employee maybe being careless or something like that and costing the business some money uh, or like employee theft. You know, you steal pencils and stationery mm. and whatnot from your office. Um, you, you Those people are probably violating a contract. You're not really violating a contract by by getting something for free from a business that they didn't mean to send you. That was just a mistake on their part. And, uh, you you know, it's going to cost you money to return it. Does it, Will that business, you know, pay for that? You know, I, I, so I think it's probably a good thing to, to contact the business and ask them what they want to do about this. And, you know, I think it definitely is more in line with, with your principles if you do that. Um, but, yeah, it's that that's a that's a tougher one, right? I, I don't think it's necessarily immoral or unethical to receive something for free by accident when mm-hmm. someone didn't mean to give it to you, but but yeah, then again, I mean it might be, right? Like th- this is where the, to me the micro versus the macro comes in. It's like okay, if 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 a friend um gives is wants to give me has like a $20 bill to give me and says, here, I just want to give you a little something. Um, and they accidentally give me a thousand dollar bill or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, what kind of person am I, if I keep that, right? right. Cause I know that's going to have damage my friend. I mean, now they're a thousand dollars poorer and right. they didn't mean to get to that. I mean, so yeah, I don't know. I don't, and- I, I don't, I haven't really thought about that one. And it seems like there's a gap in my mind, at least, and I would assume in many people's minds of big enough corporation and little corporation, right? So yeah, okay, I'd feel bad if it was like a mom and pop shop and they accidentally sent me something. But if it's Walmart, if it's Amazon, then what do they care? What do they care if they're out a hundred bucks, a thousand bucks or whatever? If I got something for free, yeah, st- is part of it like stick it to the man, stick it to the big corporations? Yeah, there's part of that, but maybe, you know, this is me just thinking out loud here because I haven't really thought mm-hmm. about this scenario before. Um, that there, You incur a cost to return that thing, right? So they make a mistake. Now you're incurring some cost to correct that mistake that they made. 
Okay. Mm. Now I'm less likely to, to, to help out a business like Walmart that makes a mistake because I know it's not likely to harm that mistake. Isn't likely to really harm them and they'll probably right. catch it and they'll figure out, you know, in, in, enact some policies or some process that is going to prevent that from happening again. But a mom and pop shop who, you know, make a mistake. Yeah. I'm going to go out of my way to help them because I don't want to see those people suffer or come to harm, you know, whereas, you know, so, so again, I think, I, I think that, there's probably no obligation ethically to take something back, but I think that um, um, it's probably a good thing to do um, in most cases. And then I have one more kind of tangential scenario, let's say, or I have two actually. One is like outright lying and returning stuff. So people will own products and use them and then go and return them if, if it's still within the acceptable time limit, right? And they think that the contract with the store they purchase from is only with respect to the time and not the usage because you're not supposed to return things if they've been used. But they think, oh, I got away with it and I can go and just lie to them, say I've not used this thing. Um, and another thing is then I've actually felt bad recently uh, going to Starbucks and just using the Wi-Fi, right? So their Wi-Fi is there for their customers. That's kind of right. known that everyone can kind of go to Starbucks yeah. and use it. But I feel bad, like I'm taking something from this organization without giving them any value. And so I try and always, or I, okay, with most most times I still try and go and buy something because yeah. I'm using, and they're using their facilities or what pub the washrooms as well. People basically use Starbucks as if they're public washrooms. And mm -hmm. so I'm really just trying to work out this framing of my interactions with these organizations and what is morally right or acceptable and right. what isn't, because it seems like the culture generally has not given me any answers, let alone what I think might be the right answers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And again, I, I don't know that there's a libertarian response to, to, that right i i mean i suspect like what well, first of all walmart created those rules right they, they, they opened up the wi-fi to anybody so they're taking a risk that people are just going to come there use their wi-fi and not buy anything but mm -hmm. they've what they've done in their heads is think okay well most getting people in the store is a value in and of itself because it right. raises the likelihood that they're going to buy stuff so you know if they implemented a rule like the only way you can get access to the wi-fi is to buy something then you get the password uh, to the Wi-Fi or you get a code or something, uh, that would, they, they wouldn't make as much money if they implemented that policy. They've no doubt run the calculations on this thing. Right. And they think that creating this culture of openness, of inclusivity, of just, you can come in, there's no obligation to buy stuff, um, kind of thing. Well, I, I think you're fitting into that culture, no problem. And, and again, it's the same too with, even stores like Walmart, right? Like I, I see all the time people at the return counter, these big box retail stores returning something that they have obviously tried and just don't like. And, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of people, um, you know, do this kind of thing. I, I remember hearing, <laughs> hearing a story once about uh, a guy I know works security at a casino and this lady maxed out all her credit cards and her husband's credit cards credit card or something like that and then yeah. she wanted to go to another credit card and they just basically cut her off said no we're only taking cash at this point and mm -hmm. so what she did was she went across the store to the walmart bought a big pick ticket item on a credit card on her last remaining credit card 
and then went right back in and returned it for cash and brought that cash to the casino. Right. Um, you know, that those like <clears throat> people seem to, to have no, so, so that obviously costs Walmart money to have a customer service there dealing with all these people and having mm -hmm. such a, like a liberal and open return policy of like some stores even have, if stuff's damaged or, um, if it's unboxed, you can bring it back and, and they know people are lying and saying, yeah, it was, I bought it damaged and I opened up the box or whatever. Right. Yeah. They, they could implement a very strict policy or something like that on returns, but they've calculated they won't make as much money if they do that. People won't come in and buy stuff. Um, if they have these strict policies of no returns or something like that. And they've also calculated that it's going to cost them a lot more to police a very stringent return policy mm. where we can make sure and have maybe some kind of seal on the box to make sure it's never been sealed or whatever, right? Or have inspectors inspect everything before it leaves to make sure nothing is damaged. I mean, you could yeah. think of a lot of ways to to overcome this kind of fraudulent activity that customers are are engaging in that doesn't mm -hmm. make the fraud right but it does say that the, the yeah. businesses you know i kind of put that a little bit on the business in terms of them solving that problem rather than the justice system or something like that solving it you know and the other yeah. thing is like j justice costs money too right so mm -hmm. if you think you've been wronged you can get justice but that's going to cost you money to get the justice and so is the cost of getting that justice worth the the benefit, you know, and that those are all kind of economic calculations that are done at the individual level. Right. And I, I, I'd say I fully agree. Uh, you've made, you made a good argument about like the, let's say why public Wi-Fi or open Wi-Fi policy. And I think you made good arguments about the return policy as well, but it's about like my stance is, yeah, I'll opt in and feel fine using the Wi-Fi because most times I do buy something, it does attract people. And, and I mean, they also get some of my data and, and like there's advertisements and stuff through that. But definitely, yeah, I, even if there is this lax kind of return policy, it doesn't necessarily mean I should take advantage of it knowing that I'm, you know, breaking the intent of the policy or whatever. Um, and I think it also comes into place with some of these I, in particular, I'm thinking of Lululemon, but other places that have like lifetime warranties on their stuff, basically, that a lot of people never take advantage of. And then you can definitely like blur the line of what is acceptable or not. But they want people to be using their product. If I if my product's at a point where I wouldn't use it anymore and they're willing to give me a new product to keep representing their brand, be it a, ba a travel backpack or a Lululemon pants or whatever, um, that like they've thought of this as well. So it's like, what is the actual fair exchange? What is the actual, uh, you know, agreement between me and, and the organization that I am purchasing a product from? Yeah, yeah, I think, I, I think that's right. Like, you know, Lululemon probably has premium prices on things because they have policies like that, right? And they've probably done the calculations and figured out, well, the amount of people that are actually going to return stuff is going to be really low. Um, so, you know, I think if you're, you're, if you're abiding by their, their policies, you know, you're abiding by their policies and, but, um, uh, you know, torrenting and music, that's, that's another story as well. And, and, you know, while I disagree with you that it's theft, um, you can think of, of it as, like from a business perspective, right? Like th this is theft that 
you really can't control unless you want the government to control the internet, uh, mm -hmm. all of it, right? It's just too easy to copy things. Um, and so the most successful businesses are the ones that lean into that and say, okay, um, people are going to share my music anyways. I'm going to have to find another avenue to make money other than using state uh, enforcers to say that only people that pay for it can listen to my music. Um, well, that's why streaming and subscriptions have become so popular right. because I don't have to purchase things individually. I'm just paying for access to it all. And then sure. it's, I mean, I think one example that's been hugely beneficial is actually the software subscriptions, Microsoft Office, Adobe Suite, yes. right? I, I used to download all of that illegally because I wasn't going to pay $500 every time I wanted an upgrade. But now that it's simple and convenient, yeah, I'll pay 80 bucks a, a year for access to the programs I want to use. And so it's interesting to see that the market actually did adapt properly. Um, yeah. And, and the most successful bands are the ones that lean into that and put out their music even for free. Like I think Nine Inch Nails did this. They put out their album for free because they knew it was going to be copied mm -hmm. anyways. And they, they basically said, we're, put, we're giving this to you guys and we're going to be going on a massive tour. And we hope that you'll return the get giving or something, that giving right. attitude. And they cleaned up on, on tour and sold all sorts of merch and made all sorts right. of money by doing that. Or, you know, uh, another interesting one was... Um, Oh, and other bands look at where torrenting is the hottest, and instead of punishing those fans by saying "screw you," they they go they go do concerts where the torrenting activity is the hottest. Mm -hmm. They track that stuff. And they're like, okay, we can go make money here, so that they use that as valuable data. Or yeah. then you have um, people like uh, Beck came out with an album that he released of just sheet music. Here's my album. Here's the music. What I want you guys to do is record your versions of this music. We're going to post the best ones. And then you, you have to come to our concert to see how we actually play this stuff, uh, how we interpret it. Right. And so I thought brilliant marketing scheme. Right. Um, but, but, uh, you know, so, so like even, even if you accept that those things are theft, which I don't, um, you, even if that was actual theft, you still have to acknowledge the reality that those kinds of things can happen. So if you put yourself in the business mindset, like, you know, a good business, a good bank doesn't just leave its depositors money on its front step out in the open. Right. Right. Um, now they could are, you could argue that, well, it's wrong for people to take that money. It's not theirs. They're stealing it. Well, yeah, that's true, but it's also a very bad business practice. And so you have right. to build in security measures and that cost gets passed on to consumers and everything else. Um, and, and so you just have to, as a business, figure out how to secure your stuff, how, how to avoid losses and how to, you know, avoid the easy theft. And if you can't do that, well, it, it's not probably a great business model. Um, yeah. But, but I mean, even, you know, the best entrepreneurs online have leaned into this as well by uh, giving away stuff for free, right? So eBooks, you know, it's, it's a common yeah. marketing stra strategy now to establish yourself as an expert by writing an eBook, giving it away for free. In return, you get an email address and then you try to upsell on, a on a another product, a subscription or a uh, masterclass or something where people want more value from you. Yeah. Well, all like basically everything online is now a freemium model of some sort, right? Like the top grossing apps are you get the game for free. And if you want to be better at it or get certain things, it's you pay for that. 
um, right. and it's Google, Facebook, these are all free. And then you, they use your data. And then if you want features, if you want to boost posts and these other things. So it's interesting generally, but I'm, I, I want to end on why is it so muddied? Why am I so confused about all of these principles? And it seems like it's something that would be like, it's my daily engagement. It's my commerce, how I'm interacting with businesses. Um, and when it, and yet I'm confused. Why, why, mm -hmm. Why is there no easy principle or, or no obvious principle to me about these issues? Well, I mean, I think there there's an obvious principle in terms of of outright stealing, right, or violating mm. a company's policy or implicit contract. You know, but the other things like yeah, there there's some some money. Maybe there is, a, but th this is the thing with principles. Um, there are gray areas, right? I mean, it, we talk about the continuum problem with the non-aggression principle, for example, right? Like when is someone trespassing or, or when is a light shining on my porch from a neighbor's house uh, trespassing or, or property rights violation? Is it, well, at a certain point it is. And that's what a justice system is designed to figure out, is to figure out where you've crossed the line on the non-aggression principle because you know, like sound could be an example of that too. At what point is sound a property rights violation? When it reaches mm -hmm. a certain decibel point, it probably is, right? Whereas if it's at a lower decibel point, it probably isn't. So you, there's no principle that can say, well, 120 decibels is a property rights violation because that re in requires considering the entire context, right? Who was there first? Who established their property first? What what are the uh, agree agreements you have? What ha has um, what what a reasonable man like determining where that line is re considers requires considering all sorts of contextual things. And so I think where your muddy is is that we're on this continuum problem and you've you found an area where that that gray area exists right mm -hmm. where it's not super clear you could find a point if you thought long enough and hard enough about it you could probably find a point there um but is it worth uh going through that <laughs> labor and effort to try to figure out exactly where you've crossed the line and you know, that that's a good question. But you know, the other thing I'll say is this, like you are going through something similar to what I went through early in my, let's say, um, discovering a philosophy and trying to adhere to it. Right. And I think mm. it's what every, everyone goes through when they first discover a philosophy and they're trying to make sense of how this, how, how to apply this practically. Um, you know, with me, it was really with my kids and the non-aggression principle and trying to figure out, okay, well, I have this problem on one hand where my kids are misbehaving and I have this principle that says I shouldn't lay my mitts on them and inflict punishment or harm or, or pain or something like that. So, but I still have this problem, even when I remove that from the table, when can I use force? When can't I, there's obviously certain times I can use force protectively, but where, what's the line between protective force when you're a parent and initiatory force or aggressive force when you're a parent. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I had to do a lot of thinking about that. And I, I think I figured out where the line is. Um, but there's probably even some gray area now. Like I've just shrunk my, you know, I, I've expanded my, I've narrowed it down, let's say, but, but I think the field that can be infinitely, there can be infinite magnification. Like it's a fractal that you can 
keep going down, down, right. down, down, even further on. And I think it's worthwhile to a certain point, but at a certain point it becomes, you, you just have to go easy on yourself and say, um, you know, I'm trying my best here and I have to focus on flourishing and not, you know, like Jane's, have you heard of Jane's that it's all religion no. that take, Oh yeah. Not, not harming other living creatures very seriously to the point where they are, um, where they're, they're filtering out microorganisms with cheesecloth because they don't want to treat their water, um, with something that could kill bacteria because they, they value those lives, right? They sweep the ground in front of them to make sure that they're not, not going to step on any bugs. Um, like they right. just take it to the next level. Now, is that flourishing? <laughs> I would say not. I think you, you, there's a certain point where you were, we're thinking in the, these terms, um, imprisons you almost into constantly going down deeper and deeper and deeper into a rabbit hole that you can't emerge right. from. Um, and, and so, you know, I've just kind of learned to accept that I, I've gotten close enough and, you know, if I have time and effort and resources to, to narrow that field a little bit, I'll think about it, but, uh, I won't beat myself up for, for, you know, doing the best I can with the information and the thought that I've given this thing. Cool. Thanks, Tim. <laughs> Thanks, David. <laughs>